Last week, we talked with an Enneagram coach about personality types and leadership. Today, we ask nonprofit leaders about pivoting in 2020 because they figured it out. After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and a couple of pivots into for-profit leadership later, we're on the search to get that question answered. If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you. We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. All right, everybody, we have amazing guests here with us today. In such a short amount of time, they have already accomplished so much. We have Ben and Anna Safran, the founders of Freshwater Ministries. Now, it's just been a year, but they've already raised $35,000 to support third world countries, villages. They've been able to uh, start three and a half churches and education centers, dig 14 wells for these villages that don't have access to fresh water. They are, they are connected to and support 52 pastors, and they provide for their families during COVID. They've been doing all sorts of crazy things with that, including actually fed a t- an entire village of 60 families during this time. And they've also recently raised $1,000 for sexual abuse education in these countries as well. You guys, they've accomplished a lot. I know this is just the beginning, but Ben and Anna, thank you so much for being with us today on Legacy Builders Movement. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yay! I'm this so is exciting. Excited. Yeah. <laughs> so... Our visitors know a little, I just kind of gave them the rap sheet or whatever, but tell us a little bit about how you got started with Freshwater Ministries, what got you to this point, and go as far back as you need to, and just uh, go ahead and give us the Cliff Notes version of your entire life. Yeah. March 26, do you want to go? Do you want me to go? 1994. <laughs> I was born. Suddenly, I was awake. Suddenly. Um, no. A bright light. Um, I mean, the, the way that I've been thinking about it lately, because we've told the story a lot, is like it's not like an idea that you just like oh i'm just an idea genius and i we started an awesome business callings kind of come after you i feel like Hmm. and so we were i was reading from john chapter four and in the book of john chapter four jesus is um talking to a woman at a well and essentially what he says is those who drink from this water will soon be thirsty but i'm the living water and those who drink from the water that i give will never thirst again and all at once, I just feel like we, we just had this idea. Like I said, it was just a calling that just came after us. And we knew exactly what we were going to do. We were going to dig wells and build churches because Jesus was all about people's physical needs and what they actually needed in the moment. He would heal people or he would give them what they physically needed. Um, but then also he was about people's eternal existence as well. Mm-hmm. And so or spiritual needs, I should say. Yeah. And so we we just felt like we're supposed to meet those physical needs and bring water to places that don't have it, but also build churches. Mm-hmm. And it was weird. Like, we just knew we were supposed to do that, but I was like, where are we going to do that? We have no connections with people in other countries. And then through the journey of us figuring out what we're going to do, we realized we do have a connection in India. My grandpa had... Uh, a ministry that he did in the 90s where he would go to India and he would go, it was called Village to Village, and they would go and basically share the gospel with people from village to village. Mm -hmm. And uh, the pastor's son that he worked with, his name was Jeevan, his name was Matthew. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he ended up moving to Canada and uh, getting involved with some other stuff. But either way, 
when we decided we were going to do this, we waited about a year before we told anybody. There was an entire year mm -hmm. where we knew we were going to do this, but we didn't talk about it with anybody. And all of a sudden, mm -hmm. we felt like God just said it was time. Yeah. It was time to get going. And we were just waiting yeah. for the right time. So we called our pastor and we said, hey, just so you know, we're kind of going to be starting this ministry. And we don't, I've, I just felt weird that my pastor and my boss would hear about us doing a ministry from someone else. So I just said, you're the first person I'm calling. I just wanted you to be aware that this is something and make sure that you're praying for us and that we have your blessing and stuff like that. And obviously it was good. But the very next day, I get an email from one Jeevan Matthew <laughs> that I've never really talked to ever in my life. Mm -hmm. He's just the son of the pastor that my grandpa used to work with in India. Mm -hmm. I get an email actually from my grandpa, who he got an email. It was forwarded from Matthew that he emailed my grandpa and said, I feel like God was trying to connect me and your grandson, Ben. Is it okay if I have his email address? And this was one day after mm -hmm. we decided to go after this dream that God mm -hmm. put on our hearts. Cow. Yeah, that's awesome. And so um, kind of to fast forward and just long story short, we got connected and I mean, everything we needed, God rolled out the red carpet. Yeah, I said, still is. Yeah. He said, so what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to dig wells. And I kind of talked about the wells for a minute. And then I said, and we want to build churches. And to me, the churches are what matters most. Like, ultimately, if somebody gets water for a little while, and then they never give their lives to Jesus, at the end of their life, what good was the water? if they didn't get their eternity taken care of, right? Right. And so he was like, oh, good. I'm so glad you said that because so many white people call me wanting to dig wells in India for some reason, and he just, like, didn't want to be a <laughs> he's, so, um So he's like, I want to be a part of this too. Yeah, he's he, like, he also strongly believed in the spiritual part of it, and I feel like he was just waiting for that person. Yeah. And God happened to just put that in our hearts and connect us together. It's really interesting you bring up that point because I think a lot of people have in their mind what they think is going to help most in, in in all sorts of societies, right? Not sure. just third world countries. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to provide shoes for the homeless or I'm going to do this for that or whatever. And they get this idea that what I think is best is yeah. what they need. Mm -hmm. um, but so often they forget to ask the question, what what is the people, what, what's the actual need that's yeah. there? Right. Mm -hmm. Which is, and, for them, I think hope. Yeah. yeah. The fact that they just can hold on to something, that they can have hope, that they can have joy, that they can actually have a god that loves them back mm -hmm. like because yeah. you know in indian culture like most of their gods are you know in kind of distant distant and yeah. punish them if they do something wrong you know they don't and, care about them individually yeah and like the fact that a god could love them means the world to them hmm. you know and yeah. so that message was so important for us to communicate to, as well so but what you said is true because we do ministry in minneapolis as well and we'll go to homeless people and we bring the simple you know we bring jackets and they're like stop bringing jackets we don't need any more jack and we're like what do you mean you don't need any you're jackets? not wearing a jacket and it's th 30 degrees outside right yeah. but they get people bring jackets all the time and they're apparently that day they didn't need one but they'll they'll say would you bring us Bring us socks, bring us toothpaste or toothbrush. Yeah. It's just like stuff you would Hygiene never think about. Products. Hygiene products. Yeah, so that's very true. And so, I mean, along the way, everything that we ever needed, God provided. He had already provided a way. Um, you know, he said, so how are you going to you know, raise the funds? And I said, well, our plan was that we were going to make T-shirts and we were going to sell T-shirts. And that was going to, so it's something that people actually want. We don't want to just ask for money. 
we want to make a product that people would buy and we would just give all the money back to Freshwater Ministries. And I said, but we don't really have enough money for us to make shirts yet. So I think that we're going to make bracelets because Anna and I can afford that. We'll make bracelets and then we'll sell those to make enough money to buy t-shirts and we'll sell. And it was just this really long process. And he goes, wait, like you'll just trade up. Yeah. We'll he start said, making paperclip, a one red paperclip. Yeah. And he's like, well, there's a ministry that started as kind of a granddaughter ministry to what your grandpa did and they make t-shirts. So we got that but. covered. And I said, great. And then I was like, so I'm going to make a Facebook account and we'll just start from there. And then as we kind of grow, we'll, we'll make a website. And he goes, there's kind of a grandson ministry that came from your grandpa's ministry <laughs> and we make websites. Yeah. <laughs> so like, okay. make websites. Yeah. And all, make, of, yeah. all of this is like people that are in the villages that we are trying to get wells and churches for. Yeah. So it's like they are helping. We're helping them to 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 do their business and to grow their their business and to be able to support their families yeah and in return you know we're selling these things and using these things and yeah then so giving we're them we're employing yeah. local women yes. to make t-shirts because we're buying the t-shirts yeah. and then we're selling the t-shirts and we're sending the same group of people money to build churches and dig wells because their t-shirt company is actually also a ministry yeah and so their ministry is actually building a church in a village yes. but people and then they need a building so it's just this what symbiotic relationship mm -hmm. where we buy stuff from them yeah they grow their ministry continues and as their ministry continues right. it actually creates a higher demand for our ministry because yeah. as they keep moving forward we need more churches and more villages. Which I think so. Just, it's just this never-ending thing. Yeah, I think it just displays the love of God and and how He envisions. I think His church should work. Hmm. Whereas we work together, we help each other and we grow each other and help each other's needs and spiritual needs. And um, yeah, I think it's just beautiful. Yeah. So. Well, I think yeah, a lot of people look at you know donating to. Uh, causes and stuff is sort of a one-way street like I I put some money in and then it helps them out but like you're talking I think it's so much more beneficial that to get a cycle going mm -hmm. I could talk for an hour about what kind of benefits happen just when you donate when you buy a t-shirt at Freshwater Ministries I could yeah. talk and talk and talk about the domino effect of what happens you know each one of these so our ministry has a domino effect when you buy a t-shirt it affects the Dove Ministry, which is the t-shirt company. And if I were to go into detail of what their ministry is all about, mm -hmm. you'd be like, oh my gosh, that $20 for a t-shirt was worth it. Yeah. The website company, like it, it just, it continues to, when you buy one t-shirt, you're doing like 10 things. Mm -hmm. And those 10 That's things cool. are creating a higher demand for us to buy more yeah. t-shirts and sell more t-shirts yeah. and for more people to buy t-shirts. And it's just, it's this crazy cool thing. Like I said, we're not business geniuses no but i've talked to a lot of who i would regard as business geniuses and they're like this is a genius model and yeah. i'm like yeah well it yeah it, it came overnight we had nothing to do we, with like that. for real we just we know it was the hand of god and just like it you know yeah like ben said we are not any sort of geniuses at all we just are two people who said yes to being obedient and yeah. he's just laying it out for us because yeah. said yes um, to a lot of opportunities that came our way and yeah i think that's a big part of it mm -hmm. and i know that a lot of listeners here probably are christian and a lot of them probably are not and i would say that a big part of our story if you're christian is say yes to god whenever he 
gives you an opportunity. But I think it applies to the non-Christian sector as well and just the business sector and just saying mm-hmm. when you have an opportunity, take even the small opportunities because you'll be amazed at sometimes what those yeah. flourish into. Mm-hmm. Right. Take little opportunities. Well, and I think you bring up a good thing too because, yeah, you're saying we're not business geniuses. We're not... But there's someone in those other organizations that are thinking of it like an entrepreneur. And I think, so a lot of the people who listen, about half of them are in the nonprofit sector, about half are in the for-profit sector. And that's like the perfect mix where we need each other in order to make the biggest impact. Yeah. Because when we operate separately, we end up with these weird gaps of knowledge where it's like if we just come together, there's so much more impact that can be made. Um, I want to go back to something you said almost right away, because I know for some people listening, they're thinking... What am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be working on? I've built something so far, but I don't quite know where to go next or what. You said callings come after you. And you said that as the start of your story. But I know that that's not actually where it started because it's not like one day you woke up and you're like, you know what? I'm just going to see what happens. A calling came after you. Like you two have been faithful for many, many years. So how did you kind of set yourself up to the point where you felt the calling come after you and you were able to say yes? It's a really good question. Do you want to go or do you want me to go? Um, I can go. I, I, I guess like, yeah, I've, I've, you know, I've had a few in-depth conversations about callings with friends, you know, and, and the biggest thing is a lot of people get stuck like, well, what's my calling? What's like, you know, they look at us and they say, oh, you know, you guys are not even in your 30s and you're doing this amazing ministry and like, that's your calling or what or whatever, you know, and it's, I love how he said it, you know, that callings come after you because that is what a calling is <laughs> like if you think of the word calling <laughs> somebody is calling you you know a lot of people search for their calling instead of waiting for the calling to call them <laughs> mm-hmm. you know that's so good i don't know that's just like the biggest thing it's like you're why trying you, to make something why that's are you searching, just eventually gonna come yeah, your way why are you searching for your calling like i feel like a lot of people waste life or time or even just energy um searching for a calling instead of waiting for the, their calling yeah I and i would say that there's there's a lot that i feel like i gotta answer the question and you know to start i would say finding your calling you made a really good point that a lot of people want a calling so they try to create one mm-hmm. which but is it, not bad you know like no you can you can, you can keep yourself and, busy and yeah. do good things by just keeping yourself busy yeah. in in the process you're probably going to find your actual calling yeah. but they get frustrated when it doesn't come fast enough. And I would, there's a couple things that I would say. The first thing I would say is you find your calling really easily when you're really familiar with, and I should say really comfortable with who you're made to be. Mm-hmm. And if you're a Christian who God made you to be, that's that's how we look at it. Mm-hmm. But you can look at it in any way, just who, who you're designed to be. Mm-hmm. So many people try to be somebody else. And then by nature, they're going to try to copy their callings and their culture and life. And it's just going to be a bad version of it. Mm-hmm. And if you're just comfortable and okay in your own mm-hmm. your own skin and who you were supposed to be, that's a really big stepping stone in the next step to finding out what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. If you can figure out who you're supposed to be first, and then what you're supposed to do, and then there's a lot of other things. You know, what what bothers you in the world? Yeah. What are you really good at? Those kind of things. But for me, the things that I would call my callings, because Freshwater Ministries is definitely. Like, I, I would say there's very few things under the umbrella of our life. Being a dad is one of those things. Like, that's my calling in life is to be a dad. Freshwater Ministries is a calling. The church that I pastor, that's my calling. And I, these are just the few things that I say, this is all that I do in life. And I think that maybe 100% of those things 
came from this prayer that I pray every once in a great while. And I literally won't pray it unless I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And it's, God, I'm ready for you to interrupt my life. You can do whatever you want now. Yeah. Which, in a, on a certain level, I say that every day. But he, God knows when I pray that prayer, he knows what I mean. Like, yeah. whatever you want to interrupt, I'm ready for that. And every time I've done that, I would say that my marriage is a result of that moment happening, mm-hmm. us starting our church. There was a lot of, like, Freshwater Ministries. All of these things were something that happened within weeks. Or, you know, I didn't get married within weeks of this, but I met on <laughs> within weeks of this. Um, but... God, uh, Basically, the prayer is, God, I'm ready for you to wreck my life. Wreck my life is usually what I say. Mm-hmm. Wreck it, change it, do what you want. And he basically mm. gets the green light. And I think he's he prepares my heart for that mm-hmm. for a little bit. But all the things that I call my callings in life came from a place where I basically just surrendered my goals or what I wanted my life to turn out to be and just said, I think he's got a better plan. And he was always right. Yeah. So... Mm. I love what you said about being comfortable in your own skin because last week's episode, we actually talked with an Enneagram coach about this exact thing. Really? So listeners, if you're listening right now and you're like, oh, I haven't heard that one yet. When this episode's done, go back and check that one out. <laughs> yeah. Do I know that person? Yeah. Jackie Brewster. We, oh. I mean, we, yeah, we just interviewed her. Awesome. Yeah. 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 For sure. If you can be. I don't think be... you personally know her, but. No, but I did. Her. I did see it on the podcast yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. I also, when you guys talked to and, uh, and, and. Batista. Oh, Adriano. Adriano Batista. He was like, hey, you listeners out there, maybe you'll end up on the show too. And I was listening to that today. I was like, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) I listened to it enough and now I got invited on. (laughs) Um, One final thing to say on that though, like just make sure like, you know, it's going to sound cheesy or whatever, but like just do the next right thing that you know is going to lead to whatever you feel like you're calling is. Mm -hmm. Once you feel like you found the thing that just makes your heart like explode and and you really want to 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 go after it like um try not to start too big if you can't yet you know like just do the next take the next step that you need to and see see what works and yeah um, yeah do that that's great advice because i think a lot of people get stuck by thinking about how big it can be and forgetting that journeys all yeah. are done step by step they're not like you're not instantly at the top of yeah. Mount Everest like I you have to, to climb it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I talked to a guy at my church who wanted to end up in full-time ministry in worship and he wanted to be a touring band and he was like hung up on the idea that he could he could make that happen right now he's going to be a touring band and he like named the people who's going to be in his band it's like full-time and I was like pump the brakes because and I didn't want to squash on his dreams and I was kind of walking this tightrope between like this is encouragement, but it could also squash his dreams. But I was like, okay, this is how much it costs for all of those people's mortgages that you just named that you want to be in this touring worship <laughs> band. And you're going to support your family as well as all of theirs. And I said, once you get down into the nitty gritty of what it's going to cost, you're going to quit on what you feel like God told you to do or what you feel like you're calling it. So I was like, why don't you just get a couple people in your house and just have a worship night and buy some pizzas because that costs $5 a piece and have everyone in your house and just do that. And uh, I don't know that he ever really did that. But <laughs> yeah. um, I just feel like a lot of people, you're absolutely right, Ted, where they just, they they shoot too far for the stars, which I, I hate saying that because we should do that. We should set really high goals, but they don't also set in- incremental goals of like, what can I do today yeah. to get closer to 
the stars mm-hmm. yes. that I'm shooting for. Yeah, It's definitely a both and because people shoot sometimes at these massive goals and then think, if I haven't reached this massive goal by tomorrow, I have failed. Right, mm-hmm. Rather exactly. than saying, in order to hit this massive goal, I have to have built the muscle and become the person yeah. who is capable of hitting that goal. Like, for some of our goals, I know I'm not the person yet to hit the goal or else I would have already hit, hit the goal. Like, it's mm-hmm. the process of getting there that prepares us to actually achieve it. Right. So I have an interesting question because maybe we have people who are listening who are already nonprofit leaders or people who are thinking about starting nonprofits, whatever. You guys are in a unique situation because you started this a year ago. We've had COVID happen during during this. <laughs> we all like, like to blame COVID for our <laughs> everything. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, it's a really weird year and a lot has changed in our culture, like in the blink of an eye sure. through this uh, through these last, you know, several months. And so my question to you guys is like, what are the challenges to starting a nonprofit? What are the challenges that you have found to uh, raising money? And how did you overcome some of those this year? Do you want me to go or do you want to go? You go ahead. Okay. <laughs> you guys uh, can both go if we take turns. We'll take yeah, turns. we'll take turns. I, just, <laughs> I think sometimes you have ideas floating through your head and you just want to get them out. But uh, man, I, a lot of the hangups that we had was we were both really relational people and we're not fundraisers. And so the, the best that we were doing, uh, we definitely took a dive in the amount we were raising every month when COVID hit. And I, I hate that people blame COVID and I do it too, but um, the way that we were doing really, really well was we were relational and so we would just have parties or we'd have people over for dinner, we'd have uh, events and we would just tell our story and what we're doing and people would get on board. And this kind of forced us to have to fundraise and like actually be Hmm. like this is what we're doing this is our goal would you give to it and like actually just go for the ask because we were stuck in our homes Mm -hmm. we had nothing else to do Mm -hmm. and so it kind of ripped that out but also and this might not apply to many nonprofit people in in what they're doing but particularly for us um the people we were trying to serve in our nonprofit the people in these villages in india they all of a sudden had immediate needs that weren't being met. They're day laborers who aren't, you know, they wake up today and get hired today for a job for today to get paid for today to eat tonight. Mm-hmm. And they started all over. All, all over. They have again. to do it all over yep. again tomorrow. Jeez. So on the yep. lockdown, there's no money or food stored up nope. to eat tomorrow. And so all and of a sudden, the lockdown there is a lockdown. Like if you are cut yeah. outside of your house, yeah, you... the the law pretty enforced it yeah. pretty pretty hard. And yeah, and uh, so we had these immediate needs where you know I don't know how much I told you before I could look it up on my phone, but thousands of dollars that we raised to meet immediate needs. And there was if I if if I'd be lying if I would say that there wasn't at least one moment where I said ah, we had goals. And this is the percentage we'd be at to our goals if all of that money would have gone to the one goal that we had. But instead, we're yeah. feeding people. But instead, we're feeding people <laughs> and, and supporting families. But if you hear the stories, I mean, these oh, were these were parent these were pastor parents who were telling their kids, "Well, we're fasting, guys. We're fasting because they couldn't tell their kids that we can't." Jeez. And yeah. so the, then their kids are like, "How long are we fasting for?" You know, and so. We had yeah. to really quickly adapt, yeah. and um, I feel like for COVID, uh, you know, in the church sector, in our world, and in the people we've talked to, the people who did really well in COVID didn't blame COVID, but just adapted mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. needs of, of COVID. You are yeah. right 
on so many fronts. We've seen that happen with yeah. businesses in the for-profit world too. Right. Yeah. Big time. Mm-hmm. The yeah. pivot, the ability to pivot has been amazingly yeah. huge. Right. I, is, I hear it from pastors too all yeah. the time. Which mm-hmm. is basically what I was going to say, you know, to anybody who has a nonprofit or is looking to start one, be ready to, to pivot, be ready to be flexible, um, to not feel discouraged. <laughs> I yeah. think it was, is the biggest thing for me. Um, when you didn't reach that goal yet, but to know that right now you're reaching goals that you didn't even think you would be reaching. Yeah, yeah. That true. were completely out of the question, but here you are, you know, feeding people like who are literally starving inside of their houses to death, yeah. you know? And wow. so like that might not be for everybody, <laughs> yeah. but like that was what happened to us, you know, be ready to, um, to, to just be okay with whatever changes may need to come as your organization grows, which is not a bad thing, you know, just you can't plan perfectly everything in your mind. And you can't get stuck in, well, this is what we were going to do, so that's mm-hmm. what we we're going to do. Mm-hmm. We yeah. actually felt like God gave us the number nine at the beginning of the year that we were going to we were gonna shoot for nine projects, which is a, a well, a church, and an education center in nine villages, and we were solid on track to do it until COVID. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying God still can't do it. I feel like he maybe gave us that number to give us a speed to run at. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we have a much higher goal than nine for our long-term goal. We, we're, we set our goal to say, we said 40 villages, 40 churches and 40 villages by 2040. But our team always says it's going to be much more and much faster. Yeah. You know, it's going to be way more than 40. And it's going to be much sooner than 2040. Yeah, your goal seems small. We just do it because we <laughs> so, we only said no, that because don't. people can remember it and yeah. people can get on board with it. Well, and when That's we fair. started, we just really didn't even know how it was going to work. Like, how is this T-shirt thing going to work? They're sending us T-shirts from India so we can sell them here. So, you like, you know, it was just completely out of, which hmm. has been for, for me the craziest thing to be like, okay, people are giving us a lot of money yeah and like we have to make sure everything after that goes as planned mm-hmm. yeah. like that cannot be changed you know as far as like when people send them money that's a good point we make sure that all of that is done correctly um and we don't slack on that you know we- so you might have things in your organization that c- can be flowy can be can change but you need to be prepared to have the things that cannot and and stick with it and yeah. Or the things that aren't flexible. Yeah. Like how we handle money wasn't flexible. And we told everybody from the get-go that 100% of your dollar goes towards what you wanted it to go towards. So it doesn't yeah. go, when you give, it's not paying for more t-shirts to order. You know, there's not a fra- there's not an admin cost basically. And so when we adjusted, we had to say, hey, for the next three days, every dollar that comes in is actually going towards supporting families or it's going yeah. towards... Uh, sexual abuse education because that mm-hmm. was on the rise as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like you just have to adjust to the needs. It was a heart check for us because we we got into it um, for the people and we loved the people and we wanted to serve the people. And in that season, that's how we could best serve the people. Yeah. And so it be it, it was kind of a heart check to is this about the goal or was this about the people? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so wow, we made it so good. So it helped a lot that way. Yeah, well said. <laughs> Very Thanks. well said. Jeez, I like that. Be flexible and rigid about the right things. Yeah, because I think sometimes we get <clears throat> flexible about the things we should be rigid about, mm-hmm. and then get we rigid get about the things that, that we should be flexible on. Yeah, yeah. And when that happens, things go sideways, and then they're hard to recover. 
Yeah. Um, once things start spiraling. Yeah. I should write that one down. That's good. I agree. <laughs> you that well, right? Hey, you know what's great about this is it's recorded. You can listen back oh, to it and take notes later. I'm subscribed to this, so I will, I'll stumble upon it eventually. So right now, I mean, you've already... I mean, it's been such a crazy year. So you're like, we hit some goals, we have other goals, but didn't know we're going to be a thing. What's the biggest area of growth right now that you're working on for yourselves or for your ministry? Oh, biggest area of growth. Do you have an answer to that? Hmm. I feel like I have so many. <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like it, it's just all of them. Like, you know, because you, you could, the basics is just getting people to know who you are. And I feel like we're still just doing that. And mm. so that would be what I would say. Like, what's most important right now is just continue to get people to know who we are. Like awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's not like the first time someone hears about you, they donate. Sometimes they do, but sometimes it's when they choose to donate. Who are they going to donate to? Well, mm-hmm. the people that they know mm-hmm. yeah. and the people that they've heard of. And so we're just trying to get our name out there. Um, I feel like it's a pretty simple model yeah. that as long as we don't mess with the model so much, at least in the early years, you know, when it's still pretty simple, um, then there's not a lot of growth area as far as the model goes. But like the systems are kind of in place. The system, yeah. the systems that kind of we stumbled upon. <laughs> the systems upon, are good, and there's room for scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's just re- there's a lot of room for just. Uh, you know what I would say is probably a, no. I know it already. Okay, our our biggest area of growth <laughs> is when somebody says they want to help. What can I do? Short of giving a dollar, I don't have an answer. Because it's like, mm. the, the one thing that I've come up with so far is that if, you know, if someone said, well, how can I help? Well, you could have an event that raised funds, but there's nowhere for someone to serve. If someone's like, I don't have any money, but I want to help, what mm. can I do? You can share our stuff on Facebook. Like, that's the thing that it, it just seems like the biggest thing that people can do to help is give money, but not everybody can do that. Mm-hmm. And so I have had a lot of people that said, I love this. Or maybe they do have money and they give. And then they're like, what else can I do? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know. Right. That would be my Go biggest earn more money and Go then earn give more money. money. <laughs> yeah. So that would probably be the number one thing that, at, you know, at our last board meeting we sat and talked about was mm-hmm. what what's the answer to that question? Yeah. And we didn't really well, have a good one. Well, I mean, we came up with, you know, like the, that's just the thing though about our area is that there isn't much and that's okay yeah that that you know money is the biggest thing that we need so we can help them yeah you know because we don't have a building we don't have a staff um so like as long as you know i feel like our goal is clear then then you can i feel like we can confidently tell them that the one thing that i want to grow in is people people's i want to i want to build a structure or a website or something, because you can buy this, but it costs loads of money. But I want to build a clean structure that supplies a crowdfunding option. Do you know what that means? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if that was a common term or if I just read it in one spot and that's just what they called it. But like, <laughs> I'm an individual that's not the creator or founder or president of anything. I'm just Ben and I want to help Freshwater Ministries. I'm going to have an event. Or I'm gonna have a thing on Facebook where I'll yeah. shave my head if I raise three hundred dollars. Yeah. It's basically crowdfunding like for is my birthday. You for, know, I'm donating like... my birthday to Freshwater. So I want to create a really clean platform that people can do that and get it out onto social media and I stuff mean, like that. Basically, Facebook does that for you, but yeah, we're having <laughs> yeah, almost almost when I have in my head, it almost yeah. does. Yeah. But yeah, um, I would say that that that's the biggest thing is just yeah. how can people be a part yeah. of it. It's always really good for 
our listeners and any any for-profit or non-profit or leader or whatever to think through and process through Mm -hmm. challenges whether it's their own challenges or somebody else's because Mm -hmm. that exercise of problem solving is the thing that you need to get good at as a leader yeah Yeah. and so that's why we always ask that question Mm -hmm. it's because it's like it helps us all to turn that part of our brain on that helps us change the world. Well, yeah. And I think, too, it reminds people that we're not alone in our struggles. Yeah. Um, so many people listening right now are like, yep, that's what I'm dealing with, too. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we feel like our struggles are our own. Like everyone else's successes are theirs. Everyone and no one else has struggles like I have them. Yeah. Right. Mm. Um, or when we realize that so much of what we deal with, whether it's nonprofit or for profit, leadership issues, uh, getting people on board, vision casting, raising money, raising awareness, like those are issues across the board. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and as we talk about them, it, it helps trigger stuff in other people's minds too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, go oh, ahead. Well, just, yeah, uh, one final thing on that was like, just also know your season, you know, as far as growth. Um, Love that. Because uh, there, you know, I don't think there's many people out there, like maybe if you are single and you can constantly dedicate all of your time to your nonprofit, that's awesome. But like, we have kids, (laughs) you know, and we, (laughs) I I also work and, you know, um, serve on the weekends at church and he, ministry, ministry. At yeah, like there was there was a ministry that was there first, and so yes. you can't just abandon the one thing right. that we we're so doing like, first. We to still do this. we still have lives outside of this nonprofit, you know, that God has given us that we also need to be able to manage and handle efficiently. So you know, know your seasons. There might be seasons where you like, you know, are really putting a lot of time into it, and that's good. And there might be like a month where it's just kind of slow. And maybe it needs to be, and that's okay. Hmm, um, yeah. You know, maybe you can bring somebody else in to help you while it's slow, while you need to handle other things in your personal life. And I don't know, maybe this is because I'm an Enneagram 9, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, you know, t- you know. <laughs> Let's be peaceful. Be everybody, okay. everybody peace sign. Yeah. You know, but like, I just feel like some of the people out there, especially entrepreneurs, I feel like sometimes need to hear that. It's okay to yeah. have off seasons. She has to tell me to that because I'll just... Yeah. I'll have a day where I just panic and I'm like, we haven't talked about it at all in two weeks. Yeah. And everyone forgot that it's a thing. Freshwater Ministries is gone. It's gone. <laughs> so, yeah. And I'm yeah. like, you need to chill. Yeah. So, it, um, know your seasons as far as your business or nonprofit. That's so good. Okay. So, we're going to wrap up with one question that we ask all of our guests because this is the point of Legacy Builders. What does the idea of leaving a legacy mean to you guys? Mm. Mm. Ah. Well, um, <laughs> should I go first? Like yeah. I have done every time. Okay. So go. polite with each other. There's no, uh, you know, trying to fight over the microphone. Yeah. I mean, it might just be redundant because it's about leaving a legacy. But I think about dying a lot. Like, in a, <laughs> in a, in a non-morbid way, I really do think about it a lot. And one of the things I think about is like, if you go forward, 99.999% of people, four generations, almost nobody's ever going to know your name ever existed unless there's a family tree and someone decides to open up that book and read it and they're like, oh, there was a guy named Ben once in my family. That's all they're going to know. Like All your accomplishments is, is ultimately going to, 10 generations later is ultimately going to fade. And I think that your time is just spent best not focusing on yourself, but how can I be a part of something with whatever time I have, not just what time I have to live, but also the legacy that lives after me and however long that legacy lives. 
how can I spend my time focusing on something that's much bigger than myself? Mm-hmm. That's like something that's really important to me is that I, I have a clock and it's not just the life that I live, but which is all that you guys talk about legacy. Mm-hmm. Like hopefully my legacy clock is a really long, but that's not really up to me. That's just up to whatever happens next. But like, I really want to be a part of something and be remembered for something that was bigger than just myself. That's what I think. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe a little bit different for me. <laughs> I don't, I mean, yeah, I'd love to be remembered for, for doing something great, you know, but like, for me, it's just, if if I'm remembered for as, as somebody who's, who was focused on what was now, you know, like whatever came, that'd be great. <laughs> I don't know if that made any sense. Being present. Just, yeah. I just, mm-hmm. just the biggest thing to me is just being present. And I feel like as I am present, as I do the next thing I'm called to or need to, that in that way I am leaving a sort of legacy. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Um, I think it's so important to to not lose sight of now as you are trying to build your legacy. And, you know, I don't want to be too focused on the legacy I'm building and then forget along the way that it starts with the now. Yeah. Um, wow. That's an Enneagram 9 compared to an Enneagram 7, by the way. He's like, dreams and big and dying. And I'm like, just, just <laughs> right now. <laughs> I, don't, I a, don't know if that answer. That's no. a fantastic answer. It's so different from a lot of the answers that we've well, gotten. And I love that you two are together because Anna's making sure, like, yes, we want, like, you're focused on long term. I'm focusing on making sure that we're taking the right steps today. Yeah. And it's those two mm-hmm. things together that Big build picture. something so. Day to day. Awesome. Michael Scott, Jim Halpert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm Jim Halpert. This is more of a big picture, picture issue. <laughs> All right. Well. Benedana, thank you so much for being on here. Where can our listeners find you, find your ministry, uh, go donate? Uh, where can they find you at? Yeah. So Freshwater Ministries on Instagram or fwm.world is our website. Mm-hmm. You could also email us at info at fwm.world. Yes. Awesome. Thank you both so much for being on here today. Uh, this was a fantastic interview and we're so grateful for both of you. Thank you guys. Thank you. So proud of you and thank you for having us. Yeah, we'll be listening. Hey everyone, stay tuned for next episode where we talk with one of the nation's most dynamic speakers about how to hand off leadership and responsibility when you know you could do a better job. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this content and feel that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to go to iTunes, subscribe, and while you're there, leave us a rating and review. To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to LegacyBuildersInternational.com. That's LegacyBuildersIntl.com.